الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه ومن قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected mothers and sisters and whoever else may, may be listening over the audio streaming this is Allah Ta'ala's grace and fazal Allah Ta'ala's karam and ihsan Allah Ta'ala has enabled us to be witnessing this Mubarak month of Ramadan May Allah Ta'ala grant us the ability to truly appreciate this great month May Allah Ta'ala enable us to conduct ourselves in such a manner that the object and the purpose of this Mubarak month is achieved and that we are not left at the end of the month in a manner that we have received a report card that says that we did not achieve the objective. What is the objective of this Mubarak month? It is what Allah Ta'ala has Himself mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may gain taqwa. Taqwa is what is the object of this month, which we have heard about repeatedly over and over again, that we are to try and achieve this great wealth of taqwa. And this is what the fast trains us for, to acquire the great wealth of taqwa. Taqwa is simply refraining from whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. But it is a little more than that as well. Imam Qurtubi Rahmatullahi he explains taqwa as a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. That this is a relationship between the slave and the master. It is not just a dry association of some sort. It's not just a formal situation. There's a relationship. Like a person has a very healthy relationship between parent and child. There's a very close relationship between two friends. So now they are very, very uh, attached to each other. And the person really enjoys spending time in the company of his parents because he has such a close relationship with them. He's always at their service, always wanting to be in their khidmat, always wanting to do something for them. This is just as an example to understand a warm relationship, a very good relationship. So the person truly enjoys being in their company and truly enjoys doing whatever he can for them, being in their service. So this is the relationship that a child has with his parents, if that relationship is as it's supposed to be. So when that love is there, when that muhabbat is there between two people, then it is not just a formal matter, formal situation. It's not just something that, well, in passing, comes and goes, just some occasional visit, some occasional call. No, rather they the thought of those parents, their well-being, they are comfortable or not, whatever the case is, all the time in the heart. And as often as possible, he is at their service, at their feet. So when there is a relationship between two human beings, that relationship also is on a different level compared to the rest of people. It is on a very warm, on a very uh, strong note. Now this is what we can understand in terms of relationships between people, between insan, whereas insan is insan, no matter how much we love our parents, 
no matter how much we matter how much we might love no matter how much we might love some other person but that person is also insan after all and every insan has his deficiencies every insan has his weaknesses so we are also insan others are insan yes we have to give full respect full honor to our parents but at the end of the day they are human beings they are insan and as a result they have their deficiencies too here we are talking about a, re- a relationship with rabbul alamin we are talking about a relationship with our creator and sustainer we are talking about a relationship with that being who blessed us with everything we are talking about that relationship with that being who is also going to be the one to bring us to account on the day of qiyamah and to whom we have to answer for all the gifts and bounties and ni'mat that he has blessed us with but this is that most kind most compassionate allah with whose grace we do everything it is his grace alone that we can utter one word it is his grace alone that we see with our eyes it is his grace alone that we can hear with our ears it is his grace alone that our heart is functioning and pumping the blood it is only his fazl and karam that our mind can think something had it not been for his fazl and karam for even one brief moment we would not be able to survive every second every fraction of a second we survive purely on the fazl and karam of allah taala now that rahmatul that arhamur rahimin most merciful allah tbaraka wa taala who's created us who is sustaining us who is nourishing us and who has kept in store for us that everlasting abode of jannat which in the hadith of qudsi rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that allah taala says a'adadtu li'ibadiyya as-salihin ma la 'aynun ra'at wa la udhunun sami'at wa la khatara 'ala qalbi bashar that i have prepared for my pious servants in the hereafter which no eye has seen meaning those bounties in jannat and those ni'mats in jannat which no eye has ever seen and no ear has ever heard of and no heart has ever imagined if a person is asked to let his imagination run wild of what kind of house and palace he wants and what kind of gardens they should be there what kind of rivers should be then flowing past that garden or through it and what kind of bounties and ni'mats must be in that place and whatever else his mind must run wild he can try and think and think and think and he will get tired of thinking and imagining but where his imagination finishes off it is way beyond that that jannat will even start it is beyond imagination that allah taala has prepared for his pious servants for those who are obedient to him for those who have the wealth of taqwa and they live and die on taqwa now this is that taqwa for which allah taala has given us this mubarak month of ramadan to help us acquire help us boost this great bounty and wealth of taqwa to acquire it to enhance it so that we become eligible for direct entry into the jannat first the obvious is iman and then for direct entry into jannat the requirement is taqwa living on taqwa dying on taqwa and this is what we have been granted this mubarak month of ramadan that to build this relationship so that when we have built this relationship in dunya then this will, there will already be a kind of jannat for us in dunya and then this everlasting jannat is awaiting for us in the hereafter as it is mentioned in the quran sharif wali man khafa maqam rabbihi jannatan that for the one who fears standing in front of allah taala on the day of qiyamah this fear, fear thing to stand in front of allah taala on the day of qiyamah this is what keeps the person within the limits of deen and this is what taqwa is all about staying within the limits of deen staying within the injunctions that allah taala has ordained upon us refraining from whatever allah taala has forbidden us keeping the eyes away from looking at haram keeping the tongue away from speaking about haram about haram keeping the ears away from listening to haram and keeping the heart away from thinking about haram and staying within the limits that allah taala has placed for us this is what taqwa is all about or the person who has this fear of accountability on the day of qiyamah 
that I will have to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala, in front of Allah Ta'ala, and I will have to answer for all my deeds, whatever I have done. It is not that I said something and it all just disappeared and fizzled out in the air. And there's no retribution for it. There's no accountability for it. No, no. What I've uttered, that too will be brought forth on the day of Qiyamah. مَا يَلْفِظُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ Every word that a person utters, there is that angel from Allah Ta'ala side who is recording whatever was uttered and all that will come on the day of Qiyamah. All that will be presented. If it was good, MashaAllah, he'll get tremendously rewarded. And if it was a word that Allah Ta'ala was displeased with, it was something haram, it was a word of ghibat, it was something vulgar, vulgarity involved in it, it was a lie, it was some other kind of evil talk, then all that will come to haunt the person on the day of Qiyamah, because now he will have to give an account for it, and if Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness is not achieved, is not achieved then there will be punishment for it. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So Allah Ta'ala wants us to succeed, Allah Ta'ala wants us to gain that everlasting Jannat, and already before that, there's a Jannat in dunya. وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَان For the person who lives according to the commands of Allah Ta'ala, and lives within the limits of Shariat and Deen, then already there's a kind of Jannat in dunya. That Jannat is Al-Hudur Ma'al Mawla. Then when he has acquired this Taqwa, he has acquired this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And when there is this relationship with Allah Ta'ala, when a person has a relationship very warm and loving relationship with his parents, for example, but he's living somewhere else, they are somewhere else, so he cannot be all the time with them, he can sometimes maybe come and visit them, he will sometimes phone them, he will talk to them, he will try to do for them whatever he can from the distance he is, but he's not able to be 24-7 in their service all the time, because he's living away, he's in a distance away. So, as much as he would love to be right there all the time, but he can't do it, but here the relationship when it is, a person has developed this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Then Allah Ta'ala is with him. His heart is brimming with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. And he is forever conscious of the presence of Allah Ta'ala. And as a result, this relationship is constant. Tum sa koi hamdam koi damsaaz nahi, awaz to hai har dam, baate to hai har dam, magar awaz nahi. As Khadi Aziz Hassan Madzub Rahmatullahi, he encapsulates it in this beautiful poem. He is addressing Allah Ta'ala and saying, Tum sa koi hamdam koi damsaaz nahi, ya Allah, there is no companion like you. Baate to hai har dam, magar awaz nahi. Allah, all the time this conversation is taking place, Though there's no sound in it, there's no voice to be heard, but this non-stop conversation, the inspiration that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala, the inspiration that drives a person towards doing what is going to take him closer to Allah Ta'ala, and the inspiration that guides him to stay away from what is going to displease Allah Ta'ala, what is going to incur the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. This constant conversation is taking place all the time. This is that relationship that a person is now enjoying with Allah Ta'ala. And when there is some difficulty, there is some hardship, there is some problem. Being insan, he too gets affected, he too gets, feels that pain, he too feels that grief, that sorrow. But because of this relationship with Allah Ta'ala, his heart is still composed, calm, and still in sukoon and tranquility. Regardless of the fact that he too being insan is in pain, and he too is feeling some sense of grief over a loss for example whatever other issues might be. But this hudur ma'al mawla, this being with Allah Ta'ala all the time, this makes things very easy for him. Like in the Hadith Sharif, the dua of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam teaches us this dua, he makes this dua being the masoom Nabi of Allah Ta'ala and the closest of Allah Ta'ala's creation. But together with that, this is ta'aleem, this is ta'aleem for us. Allahumma qsim lana min khashyatika ma tahulu bihi baynana wa bayna ma'asik. Ya Allah, you uh, give us a portion of your fear. A small portion. That much that we can digest. But so much that it becomes a barrier between us and sinning. Because this is the barrier. The fear of accounting in front of Allah Ta'ala. This is actually the real part of this fear is the fear of love. One is the fear of punishment. 
that is a starting point. That a person who is still growing up, person who is still now getting to the paces, so first is the fear of punishment, that I better sort whatever my life is out, I better sort the wrongs out in my life, I better bring my life in order, otherwise Allah forbid I will get punished. So initially it's the fear of punishment, but then as it develops, it becomes the fear of love. Like a person who has a very strong bond of love with someone, and now he feels the accountability, that now that my father is going to ask me, but why you did something like this? And there's such a wonderful relationship between parent and child. He doesn't want to cause any kind of displeasure to his parents. But now that parent is going to ask him this. There's a very strong bond between the spouses. And now one of them did something which the other is displeased about. And she got to know about it. Or he got to know about it. And now she's going to be questioning him. Or he's going to be questioned. So there is a fear now. But that fear is not fear of getting hurt. Because there's no, nobody here is in that kind of situation. That father has so much of love, he's never had any kind of punishment meted out to that child who was obedient all the time. But now there's something that went wrong. Now this is a fear of love, that how am I going to face, what face I'm going to have. That this is my most kind Allah Ta'ala, my most compassionate, most loving Allah Ta'ala. And how am I going to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala with all these sins on my head? And with this kind of life that I led, what an embarrassment, how ashamed I would be. And that shame that a person feels in standing in front of the beloved, this in a condition of having done something that displeases the beloved. Now that's the fear of love. And that is that fear that is being actually being taught to us, that to develop this kind of fear. اللهم اقسم لنا من خشتك ما تحول به بيننا وبين معصيتك يا الله grant me some portion of that fear that becomes a barrier between myself and sins that out of that embarrassment and shame that how I'm going to stand in front of Allah Taala I can't do this I cannot do this because my Allah will be displeased my Allah who gave me everything my Allah who sustains me who nourishes me my Allah who gave me life my Allah who's it's His grace and mercy every millisecond every fraction of a second that I am dependent on His grace and mercy for my survival. And it is that Allah who has blessed me with Iman, which is a ticket to Jannat. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast on this Iman. Allah Ta'ala keep us strong and firm on this Iman. And Allah Ta'ala take us with Iman, raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman. So in this dua, the first thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked for, Allahumma qsim lana min khashyatika ma ta'kulu bihi baynana wa baynama ma'asik wa min ta'atika ma tubaliquna bihi jannatak. Ya Allah, you grant us that degree of obedience, that by means of it you take us directly to Jannat. In other words, that we don't shirk in any of the necessary aspects of deen. That is the bare minimum. And over and above that, more than that, as much as we can do, we have to try. But we are asking Allah, Allah, Ya Allah, let it not be that we have run short in that obedience to even one fraction, as a result of which our direct entry to Jannat becomes a problem. Ya Allah, you grant us such ta'at and obedience that we go directly to Jannat. And then the third aspect, وَمِنَ الْيَقِينِ مَا تُهَوِّنُ بِهِ عَلَيْنَا مَصَائِبَ الدُّنْيَا Ya Allah, grant us that degree of yaqeen, conviction, faith in your being, that amount of yaqeen, by means of which the difficulties of dunya become very easy. مَا تُهَوِّنُ بِهِ عَلَيْنَا مَصَائِبَ الدُّنْيَا They become very easy. In this du'a, Rasulullah is not saying that there won't be any difficulty felt. Ma tuhawin. You make it very easy. That is there. Insan is insan. There's a pain. There's grief. There's some concern. These are parts of insan's life. But being a person who is connected to Allah Ta'ala, who has developed this relationship with Allah Ta'ala, this yaqeen is part of that relationship. Uh, he has the strong yaqeen as a result of this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. So now the issues of dunya also, though it being insan, he too, it impacts on him, but at the same time, it's like that person who has been hurt, there's a deep wound, it's a gaping wound, but somebody gave him some ointment, that ointment, as soon as he applies it on that wound, it just completely soothes it and cools it. And that excruciating pain that he was feeling, it's a healing balm over that wound 
as a result of which that pain is now hardly felt. It's a tingling feeling somewhere maybe, or nothing. So that is the same example, that's the example we have to understand with, that when this connection and relationship has been built with Allah Ta'ala, then despite whatever goes on in dunya, the person's connection with Allah Ta'ala keeps him calm and composed. Despite the fact that he is insan, he also feels things of dunya, but he's still calm and composed. All this is the barakat of this taqwa. And this is what we have been granted this month of Ramadan for. To build up this relationship with our Rabb. That this is not just a, like an employer, employee, the time of Salah came, so now I got to clock in. And if I don't clock in, then I might, maybe something will get deducted. Some salary will get docked. Or something will happen. So now I got to just go and just get it done. And just get it off my head. And therefore, in the shortest possible time, get that Salah completed and then rush out, and, well, it is the month of Ramadan, now i got no option but to fast. So now, whether I like it or not, I must fast. And well, zakat has come now, the time of zakat has come, so now, though I don't want to really do this, but now, if I don't do it, then maybe the barakat will go away, or I'll be punished on the day of Qiyamah, so now to stay away from that, i got to just do it, and reluctantly, half-heartedly, or very, very, like a burden on my head, now just doing what has to be done. No, this is a lack of relationship when this is the situation. Allah Ta'ala is granting us this month of Ramadan to develop that relationship. That let alone the faraiz, the person wants to have some nawafil in his life also. He's trying to make some time to perform the two rakats at least, four rakats of Salatul Ishraq. Such a great ibadat, the person who performs the two rakats about 12 minutes or after sunrise, and performs the two rakats, Allah Ta'ala blesses him with the reward of an accepted Hajj and Umrah. Now many people were hoping to have been in Umrah this Ramadan, or before Ramadan, many had planned to be there. Oh, every person has that aspiration, sooner or later we want to go for Ramadan, uh, for Umrah, we want to go for Hajj. Allah Ta'ala take everybody, Allah Ta'ala take one and all repeatedly with all the adab and etiquette, in a way that truly appreciates that gift and honor of presenting oneself at the Baytullah and at the Roza Mubarak, not just as a holiday, as some sightseeing, as some time passing, but in the true essence of the ibadat of Umrah and Hajj. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala blesses all, inshallah. But in the meantime, every person has this opportunity of gaining the reward of these great ibadats. Now this person who has developed this relationship, he wants to take some of this as well. He wants to take some little part of everything that he can. He wants to perform the Salatul Duha. He wants to try and perform some Awabin. And especially in this Mubarak month of Ramadan, this Salah of Awabin, such a great ibadat person, that six rakats. And out of that six rakats, two rakats, the two sunnats of Maghrib can be included in that calculation. So the two sunnats of Maghrib is already two. And another four more rakats. And that's the six rakats of Awabin and twelve years of Nafil Ibadat, the reward of it. And then sometime in Tahajjud, Tahajjud Salah in the month of Ramadan especially, very, very easy Allah Ta'ala makes it for us that we are going to wake up for Sahri and that is the time for Tahajjud. So a person wakes up a few minutes earlier, at the least 10-15 minutes earlier, he is going to wake up to have Sahri. So now 15-20 minutes earlier, at least a few rakats and sometime in Dua, and taking the barakat and blessings of that very precious time, the most precious time of the night is in that time, at the time of Sehri. So now the time of Tahajjud. So the person who's built this relationship, he is going to be now trying to take the maximum in all this, that he wants to continuously be in this company of Allah Ta'ala, by means of Salah. He will be as much as possible in the, engaged in the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, because there is this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. When a person has this close bond with somebody, then he can't stop talking to them. Then hours go by, and don't know what happened to the night. The whole night went away, the talking didn't finish. That is as a result of that relationship. Now when there is this relationship with Allah Ta'ala, the person is engrossed in the Qur'an Sharif. And when we hear about the incidents of our Kabir, and in fact going all the way up, that how much of engrossment there was in the Qur'an Sharif, that especially in the month of Ramadan, people would make so many khatams, somebody 20 khatams, somebody 30 khatams, somebody more, 
Shaykh al-Hadith, Mu'a Zakariya sahab, Rahmatullah alayhi, one Ramadan, he wrote to all his khulafa, etc., that everybody must try and maximize the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, and after the month of Ramadan, everyone must write back to say how much tilawat they made. So after the month of Ramadan, many people wrote that they made 30 khatams, meaning one khatam every day. Somebody maybe 20 khatams, somebody, th- many people 30 khatams. Many people wrote more, 40 khatams. Hazrat Mawla Inam al-Hassan sahab rahmatullah was the Amir of Tabligh for almost 30 years. He wrote back and he said, Alhamdulillah, with the fazal of Allah Ta'ala, in this Mubarak month of Ramadan, with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, I made 61 khatams. 61 khatams. One khatam during the day, day, one khatam during the night, in tilawat, and apart from that, the one khatam in taraweeh. 61 khatams. Imagine the engrossment in the tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Now who does this? The one who's built that relationship. So now he can't, can't have enough of it. Because he's talking to Allah Ta'ala. It's not a burden for him. It's an immense joy. It's an absolute pleasure to be talking to Allah Ta'ala. In tilawat of the Quran Sharif, in zikr, in dua, in tasbihat. So even somebody now busy with their chores, somebody busy with their work, somebody driving somewhere, somebody coming, but as much as possible, whenever they can, every now and again, they will have some remembrance of Allah Ta'ala on their tongues because of this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. So this is what this Mubarak month of Ramadan has been given to us for, to try and develop this connection with Allah Ta'ala, Ta'ala to develop this relationship with Allah Ta'ala, and this is what we have to strive to achieve, to achieve, and this is the exam- these are the examples that we have to follow. We spoke about the example now, Hazrat Shaykh al-Hadith Mawazakariya sahab wrote to people, and he himself, what a personality he was. This was his normal habit of a Qur'an a day for, even out of Ramadan for many, many years. And even when in his old age and with all his work, at least seven, eight paras daily he would recite. These are the pious people that we have to follow in their footsteps. This program that has been arranged is primarily arranged by the uh, people of Stanga and in primarily the madrasa that was the madrasa of my beloved Ustad Marhum Hazrat Mahadaud Padia Sahib this program used to take place there every Sunday for the sisters and mothers so this is that program that has been arranged but due to the lockdown situation it's being done via audio streaming and what I was informed is that mashallah this program had commenced in 1971 from 1971, every Sunday in Ramadan, this program used to take place for our mothers and sisters. And from 1971 to 1989, it was conducted solely by Hazrat Maulana Ahmad Bayyad who passed away many years ago in Sangha, one of the senior ulama of Sangha of that time. And subsequently then, it used to be conducted by various other ulama from Sangha itself, from outside so this is a program that's continuing from that time. This is that same program in the name of which this has been, uh, is taking place. So again, being a program based at that madrasa, which is in Stanga, this is arranged by the people of Stanga. So we're talking about following in the footsteps of the pious. Stanga also recently lost two very great people, two great personalities. One was the personality of my Ustad, Hazrat Ma Daud Padia Sahib, and also the, mashallah, very great alim and very great servant of deen, Hazrat Ma'is of Tutla sahab, rahmatullahi So we're talking about following in the footsteps of pious people, and this being a program of Stanga, and being a program that is primarily arranged at the madrasa of Ustad, Hazrat Ma'ala Dawud, Padiyah sahab, rahmatullahi I was also asked to mention a few things about these personalities, and indeed it's a great honor to speak about the great pious people. In the Hadith Sharif, we have been told, Udkuru Mahasina Mautakum, speak about the good things about those who have passed on. And take a lesson from them. Take a lesson and try to, it's not just a case of just saying something for the sake of sake of saying it. No, the purpose is, one is, it's a, one is, it's a kind of acknowledgement and a kind of tribute and shukriya, a token of appreciation for their efforts that they made. But more than that, the purpose is to take a lesson from their lives and to try and walk in the footsteps that they have left left behind, the legacy that they, are left, they have left behind. To look into the lives of these two great personalities 
when this came up that this is to be also discussed by just thinking about it in the little time that I had there are certain very common things that I found in both personalities one was their dedication to deen both their dedication to deen if you look at the side of Hazrat Mawlana Yusuf Tutla Sahib Rahmatullahi from the time that I grew up in Stanga as well from the time that I can recall knowing about then it was that he was more out in the path of Allah Ta'ala than at home that was the earliest thought that I can recall about myself about him however that might have come because maybe somebody mentioned it in front of me or something or whatever but that was the thought about the person that you always had in your mind that this person is more out in the path of Allah Ta'ala than at home subhanallah what do you and not just that it was at that time, that remained till his last, that he, till the very end, he returned from his suffer in the path of Allah Ta'ala, and then took ill, and then Allah Ta'ala blessed him with such a Mubarak moth as well. But that was the thought about which I grew up regarding him, that whenever you met him also, whatever, but whenever there was this mention about him from that childhood days, this was the thought that you immediately associated with the person. On the one side was him, this was his field of effort, the work of Dawat and Tabligh, and he immersed himself in it, dedicated his life to it. Then on the other side was my Baruhu Mustad, Hazrat Ma Dawat Padia Sahab, who I had the very great fortune of starting my Alif Bata at his, at his feet, and through his tutoring from the Alif Bata, and all the way right up to the completion of Hivs, Allah Ta'ala blessed me to have that opportunity to complete my Hivs at His hands as well. So this was His dedication as well, that from the time He settled in Stanga after He returned from His studies in India, and right up to the time that He passed away until He took His last illness where it was now, He was hospitalized and then He was not able to, He was in bed. But up to that time, for approximately almost 50 years, 49 to 50 years, he remained sitting in that same spot teaching Deen, not wavering a bit in his dedication in teaching Deen. And I can recall from the time that when we were studying in that maktab, and thereafter comments, hymns, etc., his day would start off at approximately half past 10 or 11 o'clock with the little children that would come at that time, and then continue till almost Zuhar, and then after Zuhar, the rest of the Maktab classes would come, right till Asr, and at that time then, between Asr and Maghrib, there should be a short break, then from Maghrib to Isha, the Hibs boys would continue all the way to Isha. And this was his routine every day of that week, Monday to Friday. And complete dedication, he would manage a class of 40, 50, 55 students of different grades, teaching them all the subjects, and every one of them would make khatam of the Qur'an Sharif in that time, in that time of the maktab that he would be there. And on top of that, each one would learn all the surahs from Surah Duha Al-Wannas, and Surah Yaseen, and Surah Mulk, and Surah Sajda, and Surah, so many other surahs as well. And the entire Zuru Rutul Muslimin, and Talimul Islam, and Urdu, and so many things were taught in that time. This was the barakat that Allah Ta'ala granted him, that in that short time, with so many classes to teach, so many children, the class of 45, 50 was the minimum, I think it was 60 at times, that 60 children and uh, all these subjects to teach to everybody and to manage all those children at the same time, this was the ajeeb barakat Allah Ta'ala had placed in his teaching. And what that shafqat with which he taught, that muhabbat with which he taught, so mashallah on the one note, on the one side, Hazrat Mawis of Tutla Sahib, Rahmatullah Alayhi, we see at every Wherever there was some dini gathering, istima, some jor, whatever it was, ever since we can recall it, he was always there, whether it's local, it's overseas. And as mentioned, that this was the thought that I grew up with about the person from the time of childhood, from the time I became conscious of who he was, that he's a person more out in the path of Allah Ta'ala than at home. And then on the, this side is this dedication to the teaching of deen. All these are different departments of deen. Every department of deen is essential for the progress of deen. And all these great soldiers of Islam, they dedicated themselves, they complemented all the departments of deen. 
and they dedicated themselves to a particular field, but then they gave their whole heart and soul. Unlike us, we are neither here nor there, and just make a, a, an appearance of being anywhere and everywhere, but neither anywhere. But these people took something, they took it on heart and soul, they immersed themselves in it, they lived their lives for it, and they brought so many people onto deen with it. This was the one very, very notable thing which is common in both. That complete dedication. Also, complete dedication. Then, another very, very notable point in the lives of both these personalities. Their complete humility. Now, this is that quality that we are very, very desperately in need of. And this is what has been mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. Rasulullah says, Man Rafa'ahullah. The one who humbles himself for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala elevates him. MashaAllah, both were very senior personalities. But despite their seniority, despite their seniority in ilm, their seniority in piety, MashaAllah, which uh, we cannot even compare to, their seniority in age as well. But yet they would take that, I have personally experienced from, despite being a mere student, of my Ustad Hazrat Muhammad Dawud Sahib Rahmatullahi and being no less than a student and a child of Hazrat Yusuf Sahib Rahmatullahi as well because of his age, seniority and the shafqat he would show but despite that if you didn't see them first and they saw you they would walk across from the masjid to come and make salam and it wasn't exclusive for this sinful servant but I've seen it happen for so many others as well I have been informed by one alim who sent some information about my Yusuf Sahib Rahmatullahi that he noticed every time, whoever it might have been, if Maud saw somebody across the masjid somewhere, he walked across to go and greet the person. Now this is one example of that humility. Humility is not just some external aspect, it's something deep down in the heart, but it shows out in everything a person does, in how the person speaks, how he conducts himself, how he deals with elder people, how he deals with the younger people, how he deals with anyone and everyone. And subhanallah, the utmost humility that you could see in both these personalities. In Hazrat Muhammad Padiya Sahib, the manner in which he dealt with even little children who were studying there, that shafqat that we can recall, that too only could have emanated from that humility and that shafqat that comes as a result of a person feeling that I am the humble slave of Allah Ta'ala. So I have to deal with all the slaves of Allah Ta'ala with this shafqat. So subhanallah, these were the very great qualities in them. We are just barely touching on some little aspect that comes to mind. The common aspects between both these personalities, their utmost humility. So one was their dedication to deen. As we mentioned right at the beginning, we are briefly touching, very, very briefly, not even scratching the surface. Allah Ta'ala gives profit to somebody, they'll inshallah deal with these personalities' lives in detail and explain in detail, mashallah, what great lives they lived. But just very briefly we are touching on things. One is, mashallah, their dedication to deen. Now the question for us is, what lesson are we going to take from their lives? What lesson we are going to, especially many who are probably listening to these, to this discussion, are students of Hazrat Muhammad Dawud Rahmatullahi, are people who have benefited from the great services of Hazrat Muhammad and mashallah, the work of Dawud and Tabligh has benefited every one of us. So now we have benefited from these personalities. What lesson have we taken from this part of their lives? Their immense dedication to deen. At least the least lesson we go to take out of it is the obedience to Allah Ta'ala and doing something for deen. That we also remain, mashallah, both were extremely pious personalities. Very pious personalities. And greatly absorbed in the Ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, in the love of Allah Ta'ala, in the service of the deen of Allah Ta'ala. So we got to take a lesson from that and start emulating, talking about these pious personalities is to take a lesson about their lives and adopt that. We discussed about their humility. What have we taken into our lives about their humility? Now we need to learn from this and adopt that humility in our lives. Likewise, both mashallah had a very simple manner about them. Their lives were filled with simplicity. From the time we know him from our childhood, till the last, no change came about his ways. In that simple manner, simple way of dressing, 
very obviously within in his uh, shari'i libas, but in the same simple manner. Hazrat Mawani Sahib as well, from the time you could recall him from the childhood days, till his last, whenever the last time we saw him, the same, same picture is in the mind of the same simple person. No frills and fancies and the same simple manner of conducting one's life. This is that very, these are very deep lessons to us. What does it really now, simple, what is the simplicity all about? But the simplicity is a very deep lesson. And especially somebody who could have had it all, both personalities could have had it all in living in a very extravagant manner and living it up, but they still adopted that simplicity and dedicated their time in the service of deen, in the upliftment of deen, in the passing on of deen to people. So these are the very superb qualities. Hazrat Mahishul his ihsan on the country of South Africa, in particular the place of Stanley itself, in the sense that he was the host, and it was perhaps very greatly due to his involvement in the Dawat and being part of calling Hazrat Sheikhul Hadith to South Africa, that Hazrat Sheikh came down to Stanger and spent the last Ramadan of his life in Stanger. Those who witnessed that Mubarak month of Ramadan in Stanger in that, in that year, that was something which is beyond anything that anybody could have imagined and something that perhaps might never happen again at that scale, in that manner. And the barakat and blessings that then came thereafter, the number of students that commenced the hives of the Quran Sharif, much of it is uh, thought, many people's uh, thought about it is, that this is the barakat of that time when Hazrat Shaykh Ali was in Sangha, where little children used to be brought by their fathers, and just to recite Surah Fatiha, or recite Bismillah rahman rahim with the intention of some day later, years later commencing hives, and daily after Maghrib Salah, or sometime after Iftar, before Isha Salah, used to be this majlis, where people would come to either complete their hives, make khatam, or to commence hives. Somebody would just recite Surah Fatiha, some little child, they just thought in Bismillah. MashaAllah, all those people, many people have commented to whoever they know about, who came and made Bismillah, they all completed their hives. Many, many hives classes commenced thereafter. They were at that time hives classes as well, but that shock of hives, that just just flourished. The Atikaf came alive after that. MashaAllah, Atikaf was taking place before that also. Some old people would make Atikaf in every masjid. Young people, youth, it was like almost unheard of that they are going to make Atikaf. After the Atikaf that has a Sheikh Hamtulali made in Stanger, thereafter this whole ibadat of Atikaf suddenly came alive. And that enthusiasm for Atikaf. And now there's no place in the masjids for taking more people for Atikaf. All and so many other things, mashallah, so many madaris, darul ulooms came up after that trip of Hazrat Ramtulari to, to South Africa that some got established in his presence, meaning that intention and decision took place there. That we want to start off this madrasa here, we're going to start off this institution there. And that then became the means of so many other institutions starting off as well. So, so much of barakat came out of that visit of Hazrat Sheikh Ramtulari, the majalis of zikr that were established thereafter, which were almost like unheard of, it died out. It was that zikr, what an important part of deen zikr is, and how essential this is in a mu'min's life. This was something like had fizzled out of the hearts and minds of people, the importance of zikr. Some elderly people would recite some tasbihat, oh, at the most it was some few people here and there, but with that importance, the due importance that is required, that was almost like gone. Durud Sharif came alive, the 40 Durud, People had never heard about it prior to that. This compilation came alive from the time of the Sheikh Hamtulari came to Sangha. And ever since, mashallah, in numerous masajids, etc., in homes, people, they are reciting the Swati Durud. The recitation of Durud Sharif itself came alive. So, mashallah, a lot of this credit all goes, while this is the barakat of the visit of the Sheikh Hamtulali and the great personalities, so many great personalities were present at that time. I, I can't imagine that Stanger seeing a situation of that nature, or the South Africa seeing a situation of that nature, where so many great personalities were under the same roof at the same time. So this was, mashallah, the credit goes to Hazrat Mahal Yusuf, that he was the host, and he was, was primarily the person who presented the Dawat, and the people of Stanger in general as well. So again we need to 
be appreciative of this and we need to show our appreciation by making some isale sawab at least by remembering this and likewise as Imam Dawud the non-stop effort of uh, teaching deen he taught people then taught their children taught their grandchildren there were several generations he taught and mashallah so many people who I am aware of who learned at his feet who, were, who did their maktab training at his feet and then moved on in life they, somebody went into some different professions and fields several of whom I am aware of who were his students who are now in some professional field who are doing something else but many of those who I'm aware of, mashallah, are very still conscious of their deen. Sometimes a person in his early life, he is in madrasa, etc., whatever, then he moves on and forgets everything. Many a times this happens. But to the extent that I'm aware of, of various people who, I wasn't even aware of some of them, that they were students of Mahadaud, but in the conversation it came out somewhere that they also were from Stanger, and they also studied in Stanger, and they studied in Mahasab's Maktab, but you see, mashallah, they are all very strong in their deen, very dindar. They got their beards, their libas, etc., whatever. Wallahu alam, Allah knows best what is Allah Ta'ala's fazal and karam. But to me, it seemed like a common factor was the barakat of Azma Dawud, that they were his students. This, this rubbed off and it stayed. So mashallah, this too, Allah knows best. They are numerous things that become means of something and everybody, mashallah, plays a role in it, but it appears that this is too part of that barkat. So, these are people who left a legacy for us, a very, very great legacy. We should be taking a lesson from their lives and trying to emulate them, making dua for them, making isale sawab for them. They have done a great service for us. We have received a lot from them. We are deeply indebted very greatly indebted to them and to all those who have served Deen in our country, throughout the world and all the way, this should be our daily ma'mul this should be our daily practice and daily ma'mul that at least one time Surah Yasin or if that too is for some reason too much for us, at least three times Surah Ikhlas but how much effort does it take to recite Surah Yasin we should be nevertheless reciting Surah Yasin every morning for the great barakat and blessings that this brings and the virtues, to acquire the virtues of it. So recite one time Surah Yasin daily, and convey the sawab to our parents, to our asatiza, to our mashayikh, and to all those who have been a means of deen reaching us. So whoever played a role in deen reaching us, in our own lifetime, and those who have already been serving deen long before we even came into dunya. All these people have been a means of deen reaching us. So to at least recite one Surah Yasin, and make the sawab, convey the sawab to all these personalities, this too is something that we should make a part of our daily ma'mul. And this brings tremendous barakat and blessings. So, in this regard in particular, the people of Stanger in particular, and others in general as well, who have all in some way benefited from the personalities of Hazrat Muhammad Dawud, Padiyah Sahib Rahmatullah Hazrat Muhammad Allah Ta'ala elevate their stages in Akhirat, Allah Ta'ala fill their qabr with nur, Allah Ta'ala grant them the highest stages in the Akhirat, Allah Ta'ala keep their legacy alive. Allah Ta'ala grant sabre jameel to their families and to all those who are closely associated with them. Allah Ta'ala grant afiyat to one and all. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of now, on the one hand, taking a lesson from their lives and also showing up our appreciation for their efforts by making dua on their behalf and making isale sawab as well. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of appreciating this Mubarak month of Ramadan Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of really dedicating ourselves, dedicating ourselves to the maximum, as much as we can. Try to maximize tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, zikr, dua, istighfar, and begging Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, especially in the times that we are, we cannot afford to just while this time away casually, well, it's like no different to any other time. No, this is... The, the circumstances in which we are, this itself should be a jolt to us. And it should spur us to do more, to try and bring down the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. And together with that, is the most important thing is the month of Ramadan. Now if we just neglect this Mubarak time and just while it away, <coughs> Allah forbid, we could be inviting greater wrath 
upon ourselves. Allah Ta'ala keep us in afiyat and Allah Ta'ala protect us. So let us dedicate ourselves, bring taqwa in our lives, make sincere tawbah. This is the most important thing. Make sincere tawbah, beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, truly and sincerely and deeply from the bottom of our heart, beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, and seek, uh, make, make sincere tawbah, make an, a, a reformation of our lives, make amends for the past, and come closer to Allah Ta'ala, wa ta'ala. inshallah this will bring down the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, and the difficulties and hardships will be averted. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Yazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa ahlu. Allahumma fahlana lana bil khayr. Wa khtim lana bil khayr. Wa ja'al awaqiba umurina bil khayr. Biyadika al khayr. Innaka ala kulli shi'in qadir. ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم اهدنا لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها إلا أنت اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدنا واهدبنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اجعلنا هداه مهتدين غير ضالين ولا مضلين ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله واصحابه اجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين